right. So we, today we have a guest, Ryan Milligan from a company called Quotapath. Welcome, Ryan. Thanks, Miko. Good to be here. And as you know, the, the topic is revenue ops. We want to talk about all things RevOps. Maybe you could first quickly introduce yourself and also the company and, um, so that we get, get started. Sure. Uh, so hi, I'm Ryan Milligan, uh, Senior Director of RevOps and Analytics here at Quotapath. Uh, Quotapath is a commission tracking and payout software built for everyone involved with commissions. So we make it really easy for finance teams to calculate and pay out commissions, for RevOps teams to build comp plans and share those with their reps, uh, and for reps and sales teams to actually have visibility into what they're earned, what they've earned for what they've uh, closed previously, and what they could earn to forecast for future deals. So trying to get everybody in commissions involved, sync into your CRM and pull that data easily. Excellent. And so that people get the context, um, how big is quota path in terms of employees and how many how many people roughly doing sales and how big is RevOps uh, team? Sure. Uh, so we're just over 70 people now, uh, raised a Series B in April uh, of 2022. Uh, we, from a RevOps perspective, are a team of three. Uh, so there's a RevOps manager and a RevOps analyst on my team. Then I'm hiring an analytics manager to join me on the analytics side of the house. In terms of sales headcount, all in, so sales, customer success, account management, we're like 25 people today. Yeah. That's interesting because in a way you could also say that soon it will be 5% of the whole company will be in RevOps. So at least for me, it's a sign that the company, not only you, but the whole company thinks there's something important going on in RevOps. But what is RevOps like? What do you guys do at Quotapath in the RevOps team? Like the yeah, main responsibilities. The one sentence I would say is we try to make it as easy as possible to go from first cold outreach to two-year renewal. Like we're involved in the processes, uh, tech stack implementation, and overall kind of ownership of the process from going from not knowing about Quotapath all the way through uh, your demo, recording the demo, having conversations, uh, using Quotapath, giving us feedback and renewing, right? And so what that tactically means from a team perspective is marketing ops, sales and customer success ops, uh, and kind of, you know, account management, all those different types of ops teams sit within a revenue operations function. And the reason this has become so popular recently is because historically, you had a marketing ops team that was focused on marketing and driving leads. And you had a sales ops team that was focused on taking leads and turning them into opportunities. And there was just a fence here, right? Uh, marketing would throw leads over the fence to sales. Uh, sales would not be able to give feedback and there'd be no, there'd be no bi-directional feedback and those teams wouldn't work together. And oftentimes they'd have pretty combative goals, right? So a marketing team would have top of funnel lead generation. There wasn't a quality measure. So they would just bring anybody to the front door possible. Sales would have a closed one uh, revenue target or closed one, you know, of leads generated. So they're really concerned about the quality. So really what RevOps is trying to do is bring all of the customer journey touch points together to really focus and emphasize the you know, benefit to the customer and the prospect, right? So we're a pretty neutral, pretty pragmatic team, wholly focused on making it easy for someone to come to our site, learn more about us, get some emails, book a demo, and, and interact with us for, for a longer period of time. Is it is it possible to estimate how you split the time between sort of new business ops, CS ops, and marketing mm-hmm. ops? Like, is it one third on everything, or is that possible to talk about? Yeah, it, it, it ebbs and flows, right? So I think a lot of our 
a lot of our marketing ops work was pretty heavy upfront. So think about uh, dynamic lead routing, scoring, uh, you know, round robining of demos, setting up demos. So we did a lot of work probably in the back half of last year. It was taking some, you know, probably 60, 70% of our time was marketing ops initially because you have to understand what's going on at the top of the funnel from an attribution perspective, from an identifying prospects perspective, from a fairness perspective, a lot of different things, right? So we were probably two thirds uh, marketing ops at the beginning of, of, or at the end of last year, and then probably like a six to six, you know, sales ops and CS ops. And then over the course of the year, we've gotten to be much more neutral, uh, more like a third, a third, a third. I think the group that tends to be left out historically is the like account management and CS ops. They're the ones who uh, don't necessarily get, and just a traditional rev ops standpoint, it's a lot of people see it as just combined marketing and sales ops together. And so we've done really active work to try to build out projects uh, and not projects, but derive value and provide value for uh, those teams. Things like ongoing MPS, onboarding MPS, uh, making it easy for our onboarding process and setting up our onboarding cases, uh, setting up you know demo accounts for different types of renewals and features, all that sort of stuff. So I, I think that's the group that is historically left out the most that we've been trying to much more actively emphasize in our process. How about technology stack? Like, do you have like one platform such as Salesforce that is the core for all these uh, departments like marketing, sales, and CS? Or do you have separate platforms like marketing using HubSpot, customer success using Gainsight or PlanHat or Tango, and then sales using Salesforce. How, how is the tech stack? Have you already aligned them or is your plan to keep them somewhat separate? So right now it's a bit, it's a bit of a big spag, I will say. So uh, in terms of core tech, so HubSpot is a great partner for us on all things marketing, marketing automation and, and marketing operations. Um, we pull that data uh, directly from HubSpot into Salesforce as our CRM today. We have a bunch of tools in the process for demo booking. So Chili Piper for demo booking, Chorus for call recording, all that sort of stuff. Uh, the closest thing to source of truth right now is Salesforce, but we do pull all of our, so our account managers, uh, our account executives and our customer success managers are all working within Salesforce. Um, we pull all that data from a reporting perspective into Snowflake, uh, a data warehouse, and then connect that to mode to build a lot of our reporting. So a lot of the team is actively acting in uh, a combination of HubSpot and Salesforce. So marketing doing a lot of work in HubSpot. Uh, sales doing a lot of work, or that whole sales CSAM team doing a lot of work in in Salesforce. But from a reporting perspective, I want to pull data from all those different tools for from SalesLoft for cadencing, from uh, you know seamless. We're doing some contact research stuff from HubSpot from Salesforce. So I try to pull all that data into one central data warehouse, join it all together to then tell a little bit more of the story of our business, uh, which is a lot of my work over the past year. Yeah, and how about your background and also your team members. I've seen that if companies, when they introduce sales ops, quite often uh, the leader, the director of that uh, that team comes with a very strong sales background, often mm-hmm. successful AE. But then when it comes to rev ops, I think sometimes people have background in data and other places. What is your background and also the team members? Um, yeah, so for myself, I'm definitely the latter. Uh, so I've never carried quota. I've never been a... a individual member of a sales team. And so I started uh, in marketing analytics and data science early on in my career. 
uh, sort of Wayfair.com for uh, a number of years, and then moved into B2B software in the kind of freemium PLG space. So worked at a company called Homebase doing scheduling and time tracking and was doing a mix of marketing ops and analytics there. And, and that evolved into RevOps over time. So, and then here, that, that's been kind of the background of my approach. So a lot of my uh, superpower, I would say, in the RevOps world is the analytical background, being able to measure the efficacy of X, Y, and Z, pull the data together and tell that story with an operations tilt. My team, however, has come much more from the more traditional background, you would you would say. So uh, a customer, my, uh, the manager of my team is, has had a long career in customer success, found that he really enjoyed the ops side of customer success, and then translate, transitioned into more of a RevOps role. And I think that makes it super healthy. I think the thing that I constantly try to do is because I've never been a quota carrying member of a team is I try to build a lot of, you know, empathy and trust within our sales team. So uh, I outbound myself now. Uh, I enroll people in cadences. I cold call. Uh, I'm trying to be like, understand the impacts of the processes that we're building. And because trust is so massively important between your RevOps team and your sales team and losing that trust is, is a pretty massive problem. One of the reasons why I love that Quota path helps commissions be a trusted thing. Like that's one of the that's one of the biggest places where you can lose trust. Uh, and so for me, a lot of my focus is making sure I'm maintaining trust with our sales team. Yeah. And personally, I feel that there's a sort of a power shift happening, power shift from sales to rev ops, and simply because rev ops seems to be responsible for processes. They seem to be responsible for data and everybody wants to be data driven. Mm -hmm. They seem to be responsible for technology stack. And that's ultimately how you sort of orchestrate your go-to-market playbook. So even if you're running a sales team, you can't really, of course, you can influence and have an impact on, but you're not the one who's maybe designing it because sales ops and revenue ops is doing it. What what are your thoughts? Like, how do you work with uh, who are the main stakeholders? How much you discuss these topics with sales, yeah. with CS, with marketing, and maybe even with finance? Yeah, so I think I think there can definitely be a perceived power shift. The only thing I would really deeply consider there is the reps at the end of the day are the ones selling the product who bring the revenue, who support uh, your team, right? So like I, I consider RevOps a service function. And so I really think a lot about how are we serving the business? I think the difference is that Sales ops historically served sales specifically, where rev ops serves the C-suite, serves the CEO, serves like the broader management team and mandate of the business, which is why like here rev ops is elevated. I'm on our management team, um, peers with sales leaders, finance leaders, what have you, because we can take such a neutral and pragmatic view of the business. I think historically like rev ops and a sales function, the challenge is that you tend to be super, super sales focused and don't give enough time of day to marketing or, or other teams. I think my focus is really because RevOps is really such a service function. A lot of my focus is on getting buy-in from our sales team and making sure they feel empowered and uh, have a strong opinion and voice in a lot of our decision-making. So I bring sales team members uh, into products that they'll be using onto all the demos. Uh, I have them try the POCs. I, I want our sales team to be champions of the tech stack that we're building and super excited about it. I meet with every member of our sales team once a month to, you know, talk through problems and how you're feeling and get just like raw, unfiltered feedback. And so I'm working with 
you know, my peer set, uh, I work with our finance leader and sales leader uh, pretty consistently. We have a really good working relationship. Uh, I work with our uh, marketing leader very consistently. And then I work with, you know, our directors as well. So uh, our director of demand gen, uh, our director of sales and customer success and account management, because at the end of the day, a process is only as elegant as it is usable, right? So if you don't get the teams to buy in and use the thing that you built, like, great, you built a really slick thing that no one uses. That's a huge waste of time. Yeah. Uh, and so a lot of my emphasis on making sure we get buy-in from, from everyone involved. And and who are you reporting to at the moment? Just so that I can place RevOps in the... Yeah, so I, I report to our CEO. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay. Sounds good. Yeah, because that's also another finding that I've seen that people, compared to sales ops, when they establish revenue ops, they seem to bring in maybe a little bit more senior people to lead those teams. And then they typically report to... CEO, maybe sometimes chief revenue officer. I've yeah. seen also cases where they report to CFO, uh, yeah. but in your case, it was CEO. Uh, you already mentioned that getting buy-in is, is one thing that is super important for you, getting buy-in from the sales team. But what would you say is the most difficult part of running RevOps uh, in, a, in a fast-growing B2B SaaS company? You know, the... A couple of the big things that pop up, one is just tech stack overload, right? I'm constantly getting pitched new tools. My sales leaders are constantly getting pitched new tools. And it's a lot of tool selection without thought of how it fits into the ecosystem. And there's a lot of pressure there. So I think one of the things is like being able to shape a tech stack in a way that works and actually solves a problem and thinking problem and solution first and not tech stack piece of software first, you know? The hardest conversation is when somebody comes to me and says, I really want to use software X. And I'm like, okay, what is the problem you're looking to solve? Why is this the right solution? Have you vetted other solutions? Like the worst thing to have someone say is, I really want to use this software. It's more, I'm really having this problem. Here's the evaluation that I've done. Here's why this fits. And here's how it interacts with all of our different tools. So I think the bloat of a tech stack and the like single point solution nature of a lot of a tech stack, you know, we have a tool for cadencing, we have a tool for uh, round robining demos. We have a tool for recording calls. Those tools all have boards, right? And they are all going to try to, are going to have to try to horizontally expand and take up market share. And so at some point, you're going to have like four different tools in your tech stack that could record calls for you. And so then it becomes like, how do you continue to bring together a tech stack that's helpful? I think the other big problem I would see is that you're constantly under-resourced. I mean, like you, there's so much more you want to do, but at the end of the day, RevOps is a cost center, right? It's not driving revenue growth in in the exact correlated way. Like we tend to fall into cogs. And so you have to be really, really strict with prioritization and really clear with your roadmap and really clear on what you're going to work on and why not, uh, or what not and why not. Uh, because if you don't, you can find yourself saying yes to everything. It's something I'm historically pretty bad at. Um, and that could work more on. Uh, to make sure you're very much defending your time and uh, understand the work you need to do moving forward. And, and then let's talk about metrics briefly. Of course, there's plenty of business metrics. There's KPIs and OKRs for sales, CS, marketing. But do you have specific metrics and KPIs for the RevOps team? Or do you just use the, the, the company OKRs and company metrics and that's how you evaluate your job? So it's a combination of both. I mean, we we do some MPS surveying of the team about the tech stack and how are you feeling about the tools you have and 
how do you feel about just like the overall sales processes compared to other companies? And like that gives you some feedback on how reps are feeling and overall, like, you know, their happiness with what you're rolling out. That is a very sales focused metric. At the end of the day, you're trying to look at rev ops as across marketing sales and customer success and account management, what have you. So we tend to tie ourselves more to business performance metrics. Uh, I mean, variable comp for rev ops teams tends to be tied to like total ARR growth of the business, not like new business sales or leads or what have you. And so a lot of what I look at specifically is here's a tool we rolled out. Here was the metric we really tried to move with it. So like we want to roll out a uh, proposal tool that allows us to make better looking, you know, proposals and pitch decks and what have you that should move like our demo occurred to qualified ARR rate. We should, we should qualify more demos that we're running because we have a slicker, better outreach process, right. Or contract process or whatever. So like I, I do look at those point metrics of the problems that we're explicitly solving in the period to see how the work we did impacted those. Excellent. Really, really interesting insights. Um, how is it in the U.S. these days? Because I feel in Europe, uh, most of the, especially B2B SaaS companies, they have maybe a few years ago, they started introducing sales ops. Mm-hmm. And now we see the first sort of group of companies that are introducing rev ops. But it, I have a gut feel, I don't have any data on this, or at least I haven't checked, but I feel sure. that in the U.S. companies have, Already more and more companies have RevOps and they don't talk about sales ops. It's just part of RevOps. Like, what's your feeling about the US, especially B2B SaaS? Are all companies having RevOps these days? Yeah, RevOps is definitely the hot job right now. Um, it is, it's, I mean, t- most B2B SaaS companies are looking to invest in RevOps, either bringing it from a consulting perspective or bringing it in house or what have you. And I think that is an intentional shift to try to focus on the customer experience in an incredibly bloated tech staff, right? It's it's basically, hey, we got pitched all these different tools. We have all these different processes going on. A prospect could be receiving 15 different emails from us because one's coming from our cadencer and one's coming from this gifting tool that we're using and one's coming from this. And it's like, how do we, you know, clean up and make the process really focused on the end user? And so I, I think that's why RevOps is becoming super, super popular. What's the really interesting shift for me especially at the stage of company, kind of this like what I call growth stage startup is RevOps is also taking on a lot of the analytics responsibilities for the org. Very few companies with, you know, less than 200 people will have like a dedicated analytics team with data engineers and uh, analytics, you know, and data analysts or analyst managers or what have you. And so that has been a really interesting development for me. It's been great for me personally, because it's the kind of stuff I love but it's like build the tech stack, build the processes, now measure the efficacy as, as it relates to your financial plan. And to your point, I guess that's why a lot of RevOps teams are falling under finance because it's a measurement play. It's like optimize and measure and then do things to make our funnel performance look a lot better. And in a very pragmatic, neutral view, right? Where, where a management team member or a finance team member can have as compared to if you're just in sales, you're going to be uh, persuaded by you know your, the team that you're surrounded by. Yeah. And then my final question is that you have been in the role already quite some time, and then we have, as as we discussed, lots of people who are about to start their first mm-hmm. web ops role, or maybe they have a task to build that function for their company. When you look back, like what would be the tip you would give 
for yourself when you were in the early stages of your RevOps career? Like something that you know now, but you didn't know back then, what would be the tip that you have in mind? Yeah, I think the big thing, I would say the two biggest ones for me, one is focus really early on building trust within your team, within your sales team and within your marketing team and within your other teams. So like I have done that now, took me a while to figure figure out the importance of meeting with the team regularly, asking them questions, probing, doing the work myself, outbounding myself, adding people to cadences, all that sort of stuff. Because building a deep level of empathy with the people who are on you know, the front lines per se will give you a lot more credibility into uh, you know, when you roll out processes for them because they know that you have their best interest in mind because you're going to be doing the same thing alongside them. So a lot of RevOps leaders are, are scared to cold call. They're scared to add people to cadences. They're scared to do this sort of stuff. Just I would just say build the trust and build the processes and work alongside your sales and marketing teams pretty directly uh, to kind of feel the, the highs and the pains that they're running through um, in their day-to-day process. And the second one would be really figure out what are the big metrics that your management team and your board cares about and make sure that your work is intentionally aligned to moving those metrics. It is very, very tempting to just bring on some of these great tools without an understanding of like what metric you want that tool to move. And that's super important. So like every tool you bring on and everything that you do, make sure that it's aligned to a metric that you're really trying to move, whether it's increasing top of funnel leads because you have more accounts in your book that could be a good fit, whether it's uh, increasing win rate because you have a, a faster you know, demo to contract process, whatever. Make sure whatever you're doing brings on some sort of value. And, and the secret plug for me is uh, I think everybody should know how to write SQL. Uh, I think SQL is like the most amazing secret superpower uh, for a RevOps person because you're not going to have this like great built out analytics team usually who can slice and dice all these reports. And even if you do, you're probably going to want to cut them in some other way. The the immense amount of value that I've been able to unlock for, uh, you know, personally and at companies as a function of just being able to write, you know, a, a couple, t- build a couple tables in SQL has been immense. Uh, and so if you could do the time to learn SQL, please, please do it. It is massively helpful. Excellent. And you mentioned that when sell, uh, when technology vendors are selling to RevOps, they need to link their value prop to a metric. Maybe this is also a good way to, uh, if people are keen on trying out CodaPath, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's sales compensation, commission tracking software, right? Uh, what is, um, so now you have a chance to do an exercise here, sales. Yes, sure. So what's the elevator pitch for CodaPath and what, what's the metric it's improving for uh, finance leaders and, and B2B SaaS companies? So what is yeah, CodaPath? Really yeah. yeah, absolutely. So uh, the goal and why we built CodaPath is to give sales teams increased visibility into the commissions they are going to earn and that they could earn in the future. So from a sales motivation and retention perspective, the big metrics that we're focused on moving our quota attainment, right? Increased visibility into your quota attainment and knowing which deals you could close that could get you to another kicker to get more money is a, is a massively powerful motivating tool, right? Commissions in theory are motivating today, but if you don't know what you're going to earn until you get a paycheck at the end of the quarter, it's not super motivating. And if you pay your team wrong, that's massively demotivating, right? So the big metric that 
we're focused on from a sales perspective is increased quota attainment and increased you know win rate revenue for your business, right? Yeah. On the but finance you- side, a lot of our focus is on cost savings. So we, when you sign up for Quota Path, uh, you can sign up for free and play around with the product. But a lot of times in our proof of concepts, what has been the most valuable thing is we will ask a prospect to, you know, we'll sign an NDA, they'll send us their comp plans, we'll build them out in Quota Path, and they'll send us what they paid their team. And two, one of two things will happen. One, they paid their team incorrectly. And typically they overpaid their team because they didn't have that. They had a really kind of uh, clunky formula in Excel and they didn't drag sell JJ32 all the way down effectively. And it turns out they massively overpaid their team and we caught that, right? So like massive cost savings unlocked for a finance team or we calculated exactly right. And they say, wow, that took you 15 minutes. I mean, I paid our whole team of 25 and 20 minutes the other day, right? Most finance teams spend seven to eight hours involved paying their uh, team's commissions every month. So if it's not a cost saving and then turns around to be a time saving uh, exercise for sure. So I'd say the biggest thing is like an attainment and visibility perspective for your reps, which leads to increased rep retention, low turnover costs, like happy reps. Uh, and then on the finance side, uh, improvements both uh, on the cost saving side and in time savings overall. Yeah, that's strong value prop. I've been there myself and I know that compliance and the commission plans, they're getting more and more complex. And then I've been calculating those numbers for myself for the team and I know that it's also possible. You typically also do it quite late, like today it's almost the last day of, uh, of yep. the month. So you do it at the end of the month after all things done and then you start putting in the numbers. So that's that's definitely a strong value value prop. So quarterpath.com if people want to check it out, right? And we do, uh, we do free competition plan consults too. So the other piece I would say is like a lot of what we're trying to build as a business is not just show up to the front door with a commission plan, we'll calculate it for you, spit out your earnings. We want to be a much more consultative partner in the commission's process. So I'm happy to reach out to me if you have questions about your comp plans. We've gotten some people from 19 or 20 components of their comp plan down to two or three. I'm a big advocate of simplifying your comp plan. So if you ever have questions about comp plans in general, please let me know. It's a a big passion of mine. Sounds good. Thank you so much for being part of the interview series. Of course, Mika, thank you for having me.